welcome to Perth Symphony's Music on the Move, a podcast for you, our audience and followers, to learn more about the concerts you're about to experience or the things we get up to. I'm Borby Webster, CEO and founder of Perth Symphony Orchestra. Music on the Move is a way to meet our musicians, gain insight into our concerts and catch gossip from behind the scenes all aimed at giving you a much greater insight into the world of our incredible orchestra. Remember, you can join the conversation throughout any concert or at any time, sharing thoughts and photos to Instagram, Facebook and Twitter using at Perth Symphony or hashtag Perth Symphony. And keep up to date with all Perth Symphony's activities at perthsymphony.com. To ensure you never miss a note, please subscribe to Perth Symphony Orchestra wherever you're listening from. And why not rate us and review us while you're there? Welcome to Perth Symphony's Music on the Move. So hello, Ashley William Smith, as I'm, I'm going to take your Facebook name, Ash, for this auspicious first conversation. Welcome to Music on the Move. How are you? I'm very, very good. How about yourself? Very well. Well, we're all in lockdown, so we're, we're trying a new way of podcasting, which is remote. So for the first time, Ash, I'm conducting a chat with you and I'm unable to see you. So we'll see how we go today. Oh, wonderful. So Ash, you've joined the Perth Symphony Board, which couldn't be more exciting for me, I think is probably some very, very new thing to you. And I have to say, Ashley, we, we know one another um, as we both musicians in, in, in our lives. Um, and you are not just a board member of Perth Symphony, but a fabulous clarinetist as well. Am I right? Oh, it's nice of you to say. I hope, I hope I'm all right. <laughs> <laughs> I can assure, I can assure you that you are. And if anybody listening hasn't heard Ash, I think you could Google and find him online and find him a player. And I just love that on your Facebook page, Ash, I think it says something like coffee, clarinet, CrossFit repeat, which kind of describes exactly um, my utopian kind of day if I could play the clarinet. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I feel so lucky. I'm one of the lucky people, luckiest people that I know in that I get to do my passions as my work. So there's literally, there's no distinction between work and rest for me um, because uh, the, the clarinet is, is is what I do. And um, I'm so thrilled that it's a uh, big part of my life. Oh, well, do you know how lovely to hear someone so positive about their life, that they were, their job is their life and it's all just one thing. So, um, Ash, you know, you are, you're a ridiculous fitness fanatic. You're a ridiculously gifted clarinetist. You've just added in board member of Perth Symphony into this. And I know there's a lot more which we'll, we'll dig into. But how does music fit into your everyday life? Well, Music is my life, and and I often think that there there are kind of three types of people in the world. Like there's the there's some people which is a very unfortunate existence that don't have any music in their lives at all, and it's always my aim to bring people to bring music into people's lives, and then there's those people who do have music in their life. Uh, which is distinct from another category of people, which is people who actually live their entire lives through music. So there's a distinction between having music in your life and then your life through music. And mm. and I feel really blessed that um, my life is a musical life and it's a real conscious decision that I've made 
that uh, every aspect of, of what I do involves music. So whether this be sort of with what I do professionally, sort of as, as a performer at the instrument, um, but from the moment I wake up, uh, music music is what I do. From the moment I wake up, it's the, the radio is on while I'm making breakfast to going for a run uh, with my um, daggy, 1980s and 90s playlist that I absolutely adore. <laughs> now there's a confession. And uh, actually, I don't. I don't apologise for the, my terrible, <laughs> my, my terrible tasting running. Good. <laughs> yeah. In fact, actually, that's a big part of my job. Aside from being um, a specialist at contemporary music, so I'm mainly playing sort of contemporary art music, the real hard-edged avant-garde stuff. Um, the other big side of my job here at the University of Western Australia is actually I'm a lecturer in pop music. So uh, I'm constantly sort of um, diving into sort of music at its most extreme, sort of from the most commercial to the most anti-commercial as well. Yeah, how interesting. I mean, that really is the extremes, you know, pop music, which not always, but in general, we could say is incredibly accessible to the other end of the spectrum, which, you know, contemporary avant-garde classical music can be some of the most difficult listening. Um, you know, do, is there a middle ground for you there at all, Ash, or are you a man of extremes? Uh, oh, no, there's a total middle ground. I mean, I think that there's actually not a lot of music that I don't like. And uh, I, I always confront music with the idea that because it's it's created by a human that there has to be some value in in all music that exists um and by going into it with that i always assume it's me that's got the problem with not understanding the music and um sort of going into it so openly means that there's always something to explore in whatever i'm listening to so um i mean i adore mozart and brahms more than anyone i know like uh, the, the standard um, classical music is is my bread and butter, as much as as it is sort of Boulez and Donatoni or Madonna and uh, East Seventeen. So I, I'm up for anything. <laughs> <laughs> it is, a, I think, a, a really common misconception that if you're a classical musician or classically trained, that you somehow sit outside normal people and don't like what normal people like whereas you know I find that most of the members of Perth Symphony Orchestra you know have the widest taste in music the most eclectic taste in music and the things they listen to couldn't be more what you'd expect from any human actually. Yeah absolutely and you know honestly I actually really do judge musicians by uh, how wide their listening taste is um, what, what I find is that musicians that have a really narrow field of focus um, tend not to be very interesting performers, whereas those um, musicians that have a really wide area of interest and are open to all sorts of music, they're the more interesting players and the musicians that I want to get to know and get to play with. Um, so I hope, I'm not, I hope I'm not being too judgmental by saying something like that. But um, I, I think having an open um, mind as a musician is possibly the number one characteristic that is really, really important. So using the word musician as a distinction from someone who um, plays for a hobby, although everybody is in a way a musician, but the musician you talked about, which is you, which is it, it is your life. Ash, at what point 
did it stop being something that you played among all the other things you did at school? You know, you did science, you did sport and you did music. At what point did that become your life? Or do you think actually it happened way before school and you just always have been a musician and that it was always going to be your life? Yeah, it's it's a really fascinating question. And to, to be really honest, I was really, really young when I um, got into music and I always just thought it was just part of my identity and that's that's just who I was. Um, but I never thought I would be a clarinetist. That's the really interesting thing. Um, when I was a kid, I, I started composing. I, w- I wanted to be a composer and I used to sit um, at my desk rolling up my own manuscript paper and writing. I wrote a flute concerto when I was nine, which I, I just found the other day actually. It's one of the beautiful things about um, being in shutdown is that you sort of you go through and st- I started sorting out my storeroom and um, came across this flute concerto which is hilarious and um, and what's it what's it, what's it written for Ash? Uh, it's written it's uh, it's written for a pretty big orchestra actually. Um, you can tell that at that particular point all I was doing was sort of copying um, a Mozart concerto. And um, so it, it has all the characteristics of a Mozart concerto sort of being interpreted by a, a nine-year-old who has no idea of what he's, what he's really doing at all. Um, so I always had an interest in creating music and uh, it was only much, much later in life, actually well and truly uh, sort of into my university studies, um, would have been maybe at the very, very end that sort of performance took over um, and I ended up becoming a performer. Um, and now I find composing just, for, it gives me too much anxiety. It's ferociously difficult. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Isn't that interesting? But obviously something that was so spontaneous and natural to you and you'd even labelled yourself as a composer at whatever it was, 9 or 11 years old, you know, is now something that is is terrifying and, you know, whereas actually performing has become much more natural. Yeah, isn't it? It says something about growing up, doesn't it? That you're, um, you sort of become more self-conscious about your creative ideas the, the older you get. And um, that's why I find composing these days really terrifying. But um, uh, performing, not so much. Like I don't find performing terrifying at all. And I think it's because I'm uh, sort of existing as a translator for someone else's music and, and artwork. Um, yeah. So I feel much more comfortable there these days. And, you know, Ash, I, I often think when you get to the sort of stage that you're out of, you know, huge experience and tons of playing, that you sort of have this incredible um, unconscious competence that, you know, part of the reason you're not, not nervous about playing is you don't have to think too much about all the technical stuff because that's so well developed that you're just purely thinking about how you can communicate the composer's intention. And I note that, you know, your education is remarkable. I mean, you, you studied across Australia, you studied at the National Academy, you've also been to Yale in the USA. Can you just, for our listeners' benefit, you know, I think people just think that, um, you know, and I'm not just making an assumption here, this is conversations with friends, mm. that when you study music, essentially all you do is practice for three years and then get a degree at the end of it. What are some of the things you've learned through these institutions? And, you know, what, what is a music education at the level that you've taken it to? Well, a music education, like for, for me, it exists outside of the universities and your training courses as well. The, the great thing about 
universities is that it gives you time and space to um, and sort of parameters for allowing you to develop the skills that you need to, to develop. But um, I think there's so many things that sit outside of that that really inform your development. So, for instance, I can honestly say one of the most important parts of me growing as a performer came from a job that I had uh, where I would be spruiking in the Murray Street Mall. I was one of those people who stood outside um, shops with a microphone talking um, and selling products uh, and doing vocal advertising for, for quite a few different stores. And that experience of sort of spending hours on a microphone, sort of doing what's virtually sort of stand-up comedy um, for like a passing crowd of people um, taught me more about performing than anything that I'd learned from being inside a university and, um, and I rely on the chops that I developed from years of standing in a um, shopping mall with a microphone. Um, so, but the, in, terms of, in terms of the opportunities I had at universities, it was just having um, teachers who, uh, I was really fortunate, I had a collection of very, very different teachers across um, my studies. And, uh, for instance, uh, I would say none of them ever particularly held my hand. They more let me do what I wanted to do. Um, and they all focused on different aspects of my technique. And having that combination of sort of people coming in from different angles um, really shaped uh, not only how I play, but also how I teach the clarinet as well. Yeah, interesting. And what's the what's the difference between the American system and the Australian? I mean, like, did you find a, a very different atmosphere at Yale than you did at the Australian National Academy? Yeah, um, very much so. Well, the, the um, Australian National Academy is a really, really unique school uh, in that you, you go to AM and you're you're there to perform. So you basically it's it's kind of like a mini. Um, well, it's not a mini festival. It's like a year-long festival is what, what being at NM feels like. You're just constantly in rehearsal in the practice room or on the stage. So there's no, there's no actual written academic work that ha- happens on the side. Um, so it's purely focused on the practical um, approach to learning an instrument. Um, whereas uh, what I got from Yale was not only awesome, really phenomenal performance opportunities, um, but was also just sort of exposing me to a whole side of music that I really didn't even know that existed. Um, Working with composers, I did a lot of music analysis um, work while I was studying at Yale and working with some of the most brilliant musicologists around. And um, a, a lot of what I learned at Yale has helped me um, an enormous amount with with my current job at UWA. And then, so just, oh, no, you go for it. No, so I was going to say, so you've had these incredible international experiences and yet you came home. What was it that, you know, was the, the pull back to Western Australia? Oh, there were lots of reasons, actually. Like, it, it, it kind of um, surprised me. Actually, I must admit, the fit, when I moved to the USA, um, it was at a really interesting time in my life. Like I was, 
I felt so lucky, like everything had sort of fallen into my lap. Like I'd um, just won the Woodwind final of Young Performer Awards. I won an enormous scholarship that was going to sort of enable me to sort of really concentrate on learning the instrument really well internationally for, for a number of years. Um, and I'd been given all these performance opportunities that I'd never been, would have dreamed of. And, and I got to the USA and I kind of fell into an absolute heap. Um, I think it was my first experience of, I'd lived away from Perth because I'd been living in Melbourne before that, but my first experience of living outside of Australia, um, sort of being at this point in my career where sort of anything could happen and I really didn't know what to do with myself. So I, I actually came back home to Perth and I took a bit of a break for a few months, um, which sounds extreme, but it was it, it was actually really, really necessary. Um, yeah. And I kind of fell out of love with music for a little while. Um, I just sort of... I think anyone, probably everyone at some point in their life has had that experience where they feel like they fall off the rails. Um, but if anything, it actually made me love music even more. Um, and eventually I just found myself back in the practice room and then next thing I was on a plane and I was back at Yale and, um, yeah, f- finishing, um, well, basically just restarting um, my studies again. And the experience I had was just incredible. Gosh, what an amazingly brave thing to do, though, Ash, you know, like to literally pick yourself up and go back again, you know, and thank goodness it turned out incredibly well for you. But, you know, how long did you stay in the US after graduating or were you were you offered something here in WA immediately? Yeah, well, what what happened is so I finished my um, my time at Yale and I was working. I was really lucky. Like I I managed to score an enormous amount of work um, while I was in the USA. So I was doing lots of um, lots of different types of work. I was doing a lot of work um, uh, recording for, for movies and things like that and working sort of in off-Broadway shows. And then I landed an amazing um, gig with um, Bang on a Can, which is a really um, important um, new music ensemble uh, that exists in New York. And so I had um, all of this work happening and I sort of kept thinking I think I'm going to hang around in New York just as long as my career can sustain me and then I actually came back to Australia I was doing a um, a series of recitals here and came back and one of these recitals was at my alma mater here at UWA and did this recital and uh, got offered the the job that I'm currently in now and sort of it felt, um, uh, it really came out of the blue. It was the last thing that I had really expected to happen, and but it felt right. And I thought, uh, if your intuition tells you that it's yeah, that's the right thing to do, that I should just run with it. And um, so I came back home, and um, and, and it's been been really really wonderful. I mean, I absolutely adore my job. I, I get so much out of it and so much out of my interactions with the students. And um, I love sort of just being part of the Australian performing landscape. And it's never stopped me from following my career in the USA. I'm back in the USA at least once or twice a year um, and still still playing with my friends over there as well. 
Gosh, you know, that's uh, sort of, it does sound utopia, Ash. I've got to find out, you know, there's got to be a down day there somewhere, <laughs> you know, to have this fantastically rewarding career, an incredible job, although obviously very deserved, but also just to still experience the vibrancy and, you know, playing in the US. So, I mean, just congratulations. That's a career that's, you know, not just fallen in your lap it's something you've obviously worked very hard and earned for actually you know you talk about sort of playing um opportunities and whilst you know we we haven't been able to have the pleasure of having you in person for you on too frequent occasion you have joined us and i have very fond memories of a certain performance down in sandalford oh yes you probably know where I'm going with this, don't oh, you? I absolutely know where you're going with this. Because <laughs> well, may, may, maybe you should tell the story of what, how, who that performance was and what it meant to you and um, what you did and why we love you so much for doing it. Oh, well, do you know, I can honestly say that this particular performance was actually one of the highlights of my life. When I got the email for asking me to do this gig, I literally almost fell apart. So it was with um, it was the Two Hearts tour of John Farnham and Olivia Newton-John. And little would you know, actually you probably don't even know this, is that I come from a family who, um, even though my mum now is really, really into classical music, mainly because of me, I didn't grow up in a sort of classical music household. But when I was a kid, we listened to John Farnham constantly so if I, if I had to say what is the soundtrack of my childhood it's um it's whispering jack and and the then again album of of john farnham and um and so getting to play on stage with john farnham was possibly and i still place it there what one of the greatest experiences of my life <laughs> And, you know, and the only reason I know that it was such a joy for you was because you made a post on Facebook afterwards where oh. you managed to somehow, between numbers, get your phone on your stand and basically did a selfie video recording, oh. which I absolutely love, of you being the bagpipes in your The Voice. Well, now, if I, you know, <laughs> I, this, it, so I thought this was the gig of the year or the century and, um, until I collected my parts for, for the gig. Um, but so, so I could practice them beforehand. And then when I got to the voice and realized that the clarinets were playing the bagpipe line, I thought that is, this could be the greatest <laughs> moment in music as I know it. <laughs> so there's absolutely no way that that was not going to get recorded. <laughs> it was just fabulous. It was just fabulous. And you know, when you've got artists chit-chatting away between songs, you do have time to sneak a little recording out there. But it was just literally seeing that pure joy of a, a musician on stage playing with someone that, you know, he's known since he was a tiny youngster and playing a melody line that's so damn fabulous on a clarinet. Yeah, it, it was, I mean, it was a highlight for everybody else, Ash. It, does that video still exist on your Facebook oh, page? Oh, yeah, it, it is there somewhere, I have to. Ah, uh, so there you go, Ashley Williams-Smith, everyone. Yeah, actually, <laughs> someone, someone, it came out the other day because it had its anniversary. Um, ah. So, yeah, it, it's, it's there somewhere. And I got, so Ash, I got to sorry. meet John Farnham afterwards as well. Oh, and icing on the cake. I'll with him. Actually, I'll have to um, show you the photo I've got with him. 
as well. You must. Yeah. That should be framed on your mantelpiece. So, Ash, look, you know, talking to you today, it's, it's you know, again, reinforcing why you're such a great addition to the Perth Symphony Board of Directors. You know, it's an amazing orchestra that will um, experiment with all music. And, you know, we're, we're trying to bring the sound of an orchestra to every West Australian, regardless of what music they like, to say, this is what an enormous body of gifted musicians can sound like um and you obviously were excited and willing to join the board what, what were your expectations like why, why were you keen to jump jump into this role well I, i'm honestly just really honored to to be part of the board like i was just so flattered to to even be asked and i really hope that um but what, what what I can offer is um, is just my energy and passion for bringing all music to to all people. Um, that's it, that's my sort of personal um, ambition, and to be able to um, to work with an organisation that I really um, feel very invested in is um, is is really really uh, it, it means an enormous amount to me. Plus, I, I'm actually as much as um, I, I want to be able to give to um, PSO. The experience of actually sitting on the board is actually um, something that I'm really keen for as well. Um, sort of just just to help develop my own skills, uh, especially um, after spending so many years sort of trapped in a practice room and um, on the stage, and I've sort of got my lecturing and teaching side of my job. Um, that actually seeing understanding how um, the business side of how the arts works. Um, that's something that I'm quite new to and I'm going to be really fascinated to sort of develop that side of, um, of, of my own career. Uh, so this is, this is an enormous opportunity for me professionally as well to be part of the board. Well, you certainly, you know, without knowing, picked an incredibly interesting time because the kind of discussions that are taking place as to how to navigate through uh, a virus that's hit the world where the orchestra can't play and no one can buy a ticket to anything. Um, you've certainly joined it at a really critical time. So, you know, you're really kind of seeing how to dig down into how that business works and what goes on behind. And it's, well, it's fascinating. Like, as an artist, you only, especially someone who, who is in the orchestra, you're only seeing half of what really is going on inside the organisation to, to be able to survive something like this. So, like, already I, I have learned more from sitting on this board than, than I could have ever, ever anticipated. Oh, well, that's fabulous. And, you know, hopefully I share some of those experiences, you know, with ensembles and groups and things that you're you're involved with. And, you know, that if we can increase the capacity in WA for getting music out, and there's no doubt that business acumen and understanding of how to take music you know, from a practice room into the public domain and into the community, you know, needs that. Well, look, we're exceptionally honoured to have someone of your artistic pedigree, you know, who really can give the board a unique insight from a, a very experienced player perspective, you know, so when decisions are made, they're made with absolute due care and understanding of the impact on the musician. And, you know, you will be playing a very important role in that, Ash. Um, in Utopia, you know, if, if this... Uh, orchestra achieves what it can achieve like where would you like to see that in five years where do you think we could get to in five years we well with PSO I reckon 
it, it's as much about reaching as many people as it can as as it is about its artistic excellence. So it, it's seeing those two sides of the orchestra blossom. I think the mission of the orchestra to bring um, to bring an orchestra into people's lives, I find that's that's so incredibly fulfilling, and it's to actually do that as much as we possibly can to find those people who haven't yet experienced an orchestra, um, and to to show them just how amazing the experience of an orchestra can be. Um, that's uh, something that I'd love to be part of that road of continuing um, that that mission for PSO, and also for um, its its ongoing artistic excellence, uh, which I think uh, in Perth, I mean everyone always says it doesn't matter where I go in the world, everyone is constantly saying what is in the water in Perth with the musicians that are coming out of here, and I totally agree. And there's, we have such a, an amazing collection of musicians that exist in lots of different musical institutions around the city. And I love the way that they all come together um, in the Perth Symphony Orchestra and um, that it can, can really artistically be something really phenomenal as well. Yeah, it's, it's, there's a, a really unique energy. I love that every musician, you know, is literally firing on all cylinders, you know, when they play and you can watch it and feel it, you know, that, that energy is really special. Well, Ash, look, it, it, you know, it is incredibly exciting to welcome you to the board of directors. You have a unique skill set and perspective that, you know, I think will add a ton of value. I'm certainly extremely grateful that you've that you've joined us. Before I let you go, Ash, you, you talked about your daddy playlist when you're going for one of your runs in the morning. Uh, and I have to ask, what album would you say everyone should listen to at some point in their lives? Oh, oh that is such a tough question. Uh, if I, in my heart of hearts, some of the, the most, uh, I mean, of course, it would have to I, I can't go past talking about Mozart or, or Beethoven, who who are people that mean they're my best friends. Like they they stay with me all the time. But I reckon a, a, an album which is slightly left field, which I think could uh, prove to anyone what the power of music is, would be something like Steve Reich's Music for Eighteen Musicians. Uh, it's probably something not known to a, a lot of people. Uh, but this is music that actually goes back to the fundamentals of the fundamental components of what music is, which is repetition, patterns and rhythm. Um, and this piece of music is extraordinary and it's a really beautiful sort of community experience when you listen to it and play it with the 18 musicians that are playing for you. And um, interestingly, David Bowie also has... Um, music for 18 musicians on his top 10 albums as well. Um, so I'd have to say that, that that would be my number one choice. Well, as, look, I know Steve Reich very well, but I don't know that album. So Ash, you've just given me my COVID um, stay-at-home music for this evening. So I'm going to go and put that on straight away. Ashley, said thank you so much for joining us at Music on the Moon. It's a real pleasure. Thanks, Bobby. A huge thanks to our foundation partner, AHG, sustainability partners, Mindaroo Foundation and Tim Roberts Giving, and platinum partner programmed. 
The support of these amazing organizations helps the orchestra do what we do best every day. Thank you for listening to Perth Symphony Orchestra's Music on the Move.